Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I am a two-time, almost 10-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. And that's also where you can find me on social media. Before we get started with our fabulous guest today, I want to give a quick shout out to an organization that has fundraised for Breast Friends for the past year the Fraternal Order of the Eagles. And they are this amazing organization. And every year they pick two charities and the the auxiliary, I believe, which is the women's side of it, they raised almost $32,000 for Breast Friends in the past year. So I just wanted to say thank you so much to them. Um, It has made such a difference in what we can do going forward, because as, as everyone knows, the past couple of years have been really challenging on our finances. So if you or your organization ever would like to help assist breast friends in their mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone, please reach out. Yeah. My email, Michelle at michellebeck.me or every dollar helps. You can donate on our website or by texting BF radio to 41444. So let's get into it today. My guest today is Savio P. Clemente. He is a fellow podcaster, uh, which is great because he's a pro as you will see, but he is a certified wellness coach, number one, best-selling author, syndicated columnist, stage three cancer survivor, and founder of an organization called the Human Resolve. That is quite the resume, and we're going to dig into all of that today. So, Savio, welcome. Michelle, thank you so much. I'm so excited about speaking with you today and, and um, you know, to deliver as much value as I can. Well, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, be, being the good pos- podcaster, I've done my research and, and read your book and listened to some of your podcast episodes with one of my wonderful friends, Valerie David, the Pink Hulk. Um, so listeners, if you have not checked out the Human Resolve podcast, please do that. And we'll talk more about that later. But Savio, before we dig into all the cancer stuff, tell us a little bit about your yourself, your daily life. What do you do? Uh, so I'm a full-time um, coach. I'm a board-certified wellness coach. Uh, my niche is the cancer survivor community. I found that for me, that really lights me up when uh, individuals have this preconceived notion that once you survive cancer, you're all good and you're one of the lucky ones. But there's a lot of residual um, um, trauma that happens and a lot of residual emotions that have never been unearthed that I walk uh, individuals through the process with. Um, beyond that, um, I love to work out. So, um, you know, when the gym started opening up post COVID, I was one of the first I'm ones there. to get there. <laughs> uh, I love to travel as well. I'm sort of doing a little bit of it, not as much as I would like to. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm such a curious person that I love to read and, and engage and also just soak in as much information as possible. I love that. And didn't, in your bio, doesn't it say you wanna go to space one day? I do. So I actually have been saving a little tiny nest egg. It's probably going to take me a long time to actually get there. But yes, I had fascinations and ruminations when I was really, really young about being an astronaut. I remember researching and saying, I have 2020 vision. And uh, and then the Challenger explosion happened in yes. 1986. And I was like, I don't really think I need to be doing this. <laughs> uh, I was a young, impressionable child. Um, but yeah, I would absolutely, absolutely love to do that one day if, that, if that's possible. I just think there's something 
mysterious about space that for a personality like mine, um, I would just get, I just get a kick out of it. Well, let's, uh, let's put that out there in the universe. So, uh, Jeff and Richard, if you're out there listening, uh, we've got a person right here who wants to go on your next missions. (laughs) So tell us how, because I know that your cancer journey actually changed your career, um, and what your focus is in life. So tell us about your cancer diagnosis and what you went through, please. Sure. So it was July of 2014. Um, previous to that, I was taking a trip with a friend. We went to um, Paris, we went to London, we went to Amsterdam. And I noticed one or two nights that my bed was really soaked with a lot of like sweat. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. I'm like, maybe it's just me, you know, maybe something I ate, maybe it's just the atmosphere, the environment. Um, fast forward a couple of days later, I arrived back in the States. I just noticed my stomachs just started to get distended. And then I started having those consistent night sweats. And so uh, I was just someone who, 100% believed in medical science, but I just was someone who just rarely took aspirin. I didn't really take medications in general, uh, but I would see a naturopath and who basically mm-hmm. analyzed my blood work and would tell me what vitamins you need to take, what food diet and those type of things. He looked at my blood work and I saw him for a good eight, nine years um, in a row. And he's like, something's wrong here. He's like, I, I can pinpoint a few things, but I really think you need to advance further with this and see what's going on. So uh, at the assistance of him, I ended up you know, performing a sonogram at a local uh, facility. They wouldn't let me leave the office for about an hour and a half. And I was like, that's really strange. They finally came out and said to me, Sabio, you need to have a relative come pick you up and take you to the hospital. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I have my car here. They're like, no, you need to have a relative come here and, and, mm. and take you to the hospital. At that point, I was having some belabored breath as well, um, you know, breathing. So I went to the hospital, I saw a doctor there and literally within 45 minutes to an hour, they admitted me to the fifth floor. I had no choice. I was told um, a day and a half later. So they had to put a nephrostomy tube in me uh, and they had to uh, distend about five to seven liters of fluid from my abdomen. And when they put the nephrostomy tube, the doctor um, said to me, whispered to me, it's not Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, Mm. I had an inkling, however, Michelle, that it might be cancer because when I was on the fifth floor, I heard them talking the nurses about transferring me to the seventh floor, which they call the cancer floor. Um, so I did have a, um, uh, uh, an idea. I was in the hospital for a total of two weeks. The first week I was bedridden because of the nephrostomy tube. Uh, the last week, three days before uh, I was discharged, I was told by the medical director, I really should think about getting chemo. I wasn't adverse to it, but I did speak to a good friend who was very nature, you know, naturopathic oriented. And she's like, you sure you want to put those toxins in your body, they literally kill the good and the bad. And I thought about it. And, you know, I, I've shared this story many times, but I don't know if you ever watched the movie, um, um, The Little Buddha starring Keanu Reeves. No, I, it, I, I will go do it now. <laughs> okay. So there's a scene. So he plays uh, Siddhartha, which is Little Buddha. And he basically gave up his worldly possessions. His father was very wealthy and he basically was meditating in you know, forest with some other uh, adherents as well. Uh, and he, I think, was living on one grain of rice a day or whatever the case may be, literally not even eating. And he heard while he was meditating two individuals on a boat, and they were playing with an instrument. And one of the guys said, if you hold the string too loose, it won't play. And if you hold it too tight, it'll snap. And, and he's like, the way it's the middle way, the middle path. And that literally, and I was like, oh my God, that's what I need to do. I'll do what I need to do conventionally, but I also want to do things alternatively. And that's what I did. So on my off cycle, so I had six rounds of chemo off cycles. I basically did a whole um, panoply of um, 
integrated modalities. I think personally, that is the best way to do it. I'm a huge believer in, in modern medicine as well. And one of my catchphrases my entire adult life has always been better living through chemistry, but I, I definitely think there's so much to be gained from integrative medicine and the different things that they can do, whether it's the vitamin C infusions or the various supplements. Uh, I had a guest on a few weeks ago, her name is Jane McClelland and she's based in the UK, but she wrote a book about how to starve cancer, basically with finding all of these different off-label, can- all of these off-label drugs that have done amazing results for people, herself included. She was diagnosed stage four over 20 years ago and she's thriving today. So I really am a huge believer that there are other ways to go about it. So always explore your options and be your own advocate as well, because they chemo was always a choice. And I feel like not everyone understands that. And for most people, it is the right choice in my opinion, but everyone needs to be fully informed and choose for themselves. And I think having a integrative or naturopathic doctor uh, at your fingertips is hugely important. Obviously I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but those are just my opinions. Um, and, and I always tell people as well, this is what I followed. It's really your choice to follow what you need to. Although the medical director was very insistent saying I was stage three, that I really needed to uh, take it seriously, which I did. And how are you feeling now? How's your health now? Uh, my health is really good. Thankfully, I'm not under any type of medication, although I have my yearly scans. I, As you know, you go three months, six months, nine months. I graduated to one year. I told all the individuals, which I love in the office, I love you guys, but I don't want to see you for a whole year. So um, my scan is coming up next week, uh, but I feel great um, trying to do and live and um, be an example of what uh, I coach. And um, you know, this idea of wellness is not really about um, being better but it's about, it's about um, sort of thriving and, and, and seeing possibilities uh, even in the, uh, in the most mundane of things. Oh, definitely. And I, I want to talk a little bit more about how you used integrative um, medicine and different things after your treatment ended. There was, there was a period kind of the in-between, like you had your treatment. And then I, I believe you focused a lot on some integrative things. Can you talk about that? Sure. So I didn't actually officially do that. I actually integrated it during my chemo uh, round. So I had six cycles uh, every three weeks. And so within those three weeks uh, between the cycles, I did uh, a bunch of them. Um, I did ozone therapy, IV drip. I did ozone water. I did red light therapy. I did acupuncture. I did chiropractic. um, I did energy medicine. Um, I did, the, I read the Quran. There's a passage in there that talks about the black seed oil. There's only one thing the black seed oil can't cure its death. Uh, I did that. Um, uh, I did, uh, I'm a long time meditator. So meditator, you know, meditating was always part of my, you know, normal routine, but I did that. I did affirmative prayer. Um, I pretty much looked through every nook and cranny I could. I also even, um, had a Google alert on my particular cancer. So anytime there was anything warm, fuzzy about the cancer or anything, you know, medical, I I was the first one to know about it uh, as well. So I think I've relied on a lot of different things, uh, including, you know, the, you know, the conventional chemo. Sure. But you really treated your treatment period and your recovery as a full-time job because you, you had the mindset going into it. Like this, this is not going to beat me. I'm going to beat it. And I'm going to literally throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. So, and you've, you've mentioned some things that I've never even heard of. I mean, or like the ozone therapy, what is that? 
Yeah. So basically they, so I had an IV drip. So basically they take the regular saline, mm -hmm. uh, they infuse O3 gas, uh, ozone gas into it. And then they um, put it into, you know, my veins and it's about a 45 minute to an hour. Um, for me, I felt great. I had energy. I'm not saying that those things cured me or those things helped me, but I do think they staved off. So the only really negative thing I had happen was neuropathy uh, and a little mm -hmm. darkening of my, you know, pigments. Um, but other than that, of course, obviously the chemo took away my hair and I, I kept the look. <laughs> it works um, for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and so um, I, uh, yeah, I had that. And then I had a little small ozone generator that I ozonated my water. So I drank about like eight to 10 glasses a day. Ozone. I love that. That's definitely some new stuff that I will have to look into because people definitely ask me, you know, about the different integrative things. So I'm going to add those to my list. Now, professionally, you were not doing uh, the wellness coaching before cancer. How did that change your mindset and what you wanted to do with ostensibly, I can't even get the word out, the rest of your life? <laughs> Yeah. So I, my background is IT. I graduated computer science background, business administration background. Uh, I was good at what I was doing. I did, you know, website development. I did, uh, you know, mobile development, uh, but I wasn't really truly happy. It was, I was very good at it, but I just wasn't really happy. And I, when cancer happened, I remember saying to myself, if I survive the five years, although as you know, it's not a guarantee, it's just a barometer mm -hmm. um, that I would do something with it. I didn't know what that was. When I would see life coaches, I would say to myself, how is this person a life coach? They can't even handle their own lives. But then I realized after going through the training and getting board certified that, you know, there's a process. You could be a few steps ahead of someone. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, and so after I hit the five-year mark, I, there was some grumblings within me. Like I wanted to explore. So I took a lot of classes. This is literally months before COVID first hit. Um, and uh, throughout the process of COVID um, early on, I got my board certification. I was ICF certified, which means nothing to the layman, but to the coaching world is really a big deal. Um, and then I really started my business and um, I then became, you know, subsequently a podcaster, became a syndicated columnist. Uh, I have a few uh, interview series with Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, BuzzFeed. Uh, and then uh, I also have the, the fortune and, and the good will to have interviewed select celebrities like Venus Williams and to travel to different wellness events and cover them as well. That is fabulous. And it really, you hear that so many times from people that cancer has led them to reevaluate what they want to do with their lives. For me, it, it definitely has done the same. I would have never, I was a, a professional executive assistant chief level, you know, in the past and working with boards and companies going public and this and that. And it was a, it was a 24 seven job. And then I became a stay at home mom. But when my son was getting ready to go back to school, I'm like, I need to do something else. And then my second cancer diagnosis hit. And I was like, huh, let me figure out what I really want to do because I know that I can do something with this. And I started to volunteer at breast friends and almost five years later, now I'm doing this. And my ultimate goal is I, I would also love to be spreading the word more. Um, whether on stage or just, you know, helping people move forward because survivorship, as we're going to talk about, is so challenging. Um, but I do want to kind of dig into your book and it, is, it has a lengthy title, but it is very worth it. It is how it is. I survived cancer and here is how I did it. 35 cancer survivors share their journey. And I, I listened to it on Audible and I really had to listen to it multiple times because there were so many spot on points and I'm going to read these because I don't want to miss them. Um, one important thing, which I really 
resonated with is providing space for others to be heard, rising above others to find, or excuse me, rising above to find a higher self, bartering, which I really thought was fascinating, the sharing of your own innate gifts and talents with others. And so everyone is helping each other. But my favorite thing was true transformation is not through wishful thinking, but willful action. And I literally just was like, boom, mind blown. So let's talk about that for, for a couple minutes. Well, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. The way that book even came about was just uh, very natural and organic. I had an interview series with Authority Magazine and Thrive Global, which is I Survived Cancer Care is how I did it. I pitched the idea uh, as someone who coaches cancer survivors in general to my editor. And he's like, that's interesting. Let's, let's try it. Um, you know, he thought of the simple title, I Survived Cancer, here's how I did it. And then we got flooded, literally over 250 um, contributions and uh, individuals. And then he's like, I know what you're seeing from social media wise, like the, the extent and engagement, but you don't understand what's happening on the back end from what I see. This has to be a book, Savi. I'm like, what? He's like, it has to be a book. So I chose 35 cancer survivors. It was supposed to be 25, but I wanted to add another 10. And then I told my own story. Uh, it, um, it launched at the end of February of this year. Um, literally within 24 hours, it became a bestseller. And to me, it wasn't, yeah, we all want book sales in the, in the author world. But really, to me, it was about the impact. And for me, I wanted to be, I want to come across in the intro, because I wrote about five to six pages of the intro of my own story, in a way that not only tells my story, but helps others find a vision. Because in coaching, that's like really big. It's this idea of where do you want to be, not where you are, where you feel stuck in. That is perfect. So we do have a lot more to talk about, but we are going to take a quick break. So listeners, please stay with us. As I mentioned earlier, if you would like to donate to Breast Friends, you can do so on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to ensure that no one goes through cancer alone. If you would like to be my guest or share your warrior story, please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. My Care Crew's mission is to make the cancer journey a little more bearable. They offer products and services that have been specially designed and curated to meet the needs of cancer patients, caregivers, and their loved ones. The mobile app connects patients and caregivers with their care crew to streamline day-to-day challenges experienced in the cancer journey. The app makes it easy for patients and caregivers to ask for help, manage the inflow of help from loved ones, share updates, create wish lists, and more. You can download the free app in the Apple and Android stores today. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Savio Clemente, founder of The Human Resolve helping unlock the courage within for cancer survivors. And we were just talking about your book, Savio, and I kind of want to dig into one concept a little bit more about the um, sharing and bartering. And we were just talking over break about how cancer has kind of led us to try to help those who come after us find, find out where they're supposed to be and get rid of the confusion and just if we can help one person at a time, it's, it's feeling like a success. But so you said you were flooded with interviews or submissions and over 250 people. And then you had your, I believe a written interview series, which 145, how do you continue to pare that down? Because listening to the book with the 35, the stories were amazing. Like I just, how did you do that? Cause that, that couldn't have been easy. No, it definitely wasn't easy. So I'm someone of color. And so I wanted to make sure that the people that I had in the book um, represented America, represented diversity in general. Love so, that. Uh, not only in the variations of cancers, which I was very clear about that I wanted the variation, although the majority of them were breast cancer, unfortunately, um, in the book, because it, it was extremely prevalent with all the submissions that we you know, we received. But beyond that, I also, and beyond, you know, culture and ethnicity, you know, having it, you know, represented and, you know, genders represented appropriately as well. Um, it was really the stories that really, so I, I read every single one and I just felt that they, they would be a great uh, addition asset to the book. Um, but sort of this idea of, you know, what you alluded to that I wrote about bartering. I think a lot of us, rightly so, because we have to take care of ourselves and we have to take care of our needs, are caught up in this um, idea that we have to keep producing in order to receive financial you know, re remuneration. And the fact of the matter is something that takes away from our why. And so the, the, the paragraph that I had in the book was really this idea, if I created a movement, what would it be? And it was just one day of just bartering, giving and taking energies, sharing knowledge and not really worrying or, or, or lamenting about the fact that you're not getting paid or your, your money is time and time is money and all those sort of concepts. Um, and I think when it comes to the cancer world, at least what I've seen in the many different avenues that uh, I'm in, uh, enmeshed in is this idea that even a little bit of knowledge goes a long way. Uh, and so uh, I try to be uh, a voice and channel for that all the time. I definitely appreciate that. And um, just kind of an antidote, antidote of my own. Um, I currently help host a newly diagnosed active treatment survivorship meeting for breast friends. And we were on last night and we had some new women and some of them 
they didn't even choose to share, but when they, you know, they were logging off, they're like, just hearing all this information that you're sharing is so helpful. You know, women who literally are just starting treatment and they have no idea what to expect. And it's, they were so thankful for um, my coworker and I, cause we, we have both been through it, but different treatment protocols and such, and just being able to share. And they were so appreciative and that, it's, it's just, it fills my soul. It, as, as my son says, it fills my bucket. So, um, and I think that kind of leads to how, for you, how you started the human resolve coaching practice. And as you said, it, you realized that you wanted to do something different after cancer and, you know, it's great. It's a good career, but it's, it didn't sing to your heart. And over the time period, while you're working, you're getting eight different certifications in the coaching and the various things. So kind of tell us about how that all came together. And cause that's a big leap leaving a, a full-time salary job to go be a coach. You're like, I'm just throwing it out to the wind and saying, I can do this. Yeah. You know, I, I think, and you could probably resonate and a lot of your listeners can resonate when you have cancer, you're never really told you're cured. You're just told there's no evidence of disease that you're in remission. These are all fantastic things and wonderful things. But I've found that the thread line has always been that individuals, they were lucky and they don't want to screw it up a second time. So I said, well, I am in remission, but it could always come back. It could always be a different outcome, a much worse outcome. What do I need to do to do that? And so I gave 100% of what I did when I was focused on my cancer recovery as well. Um, and I wanted to just make sure that I was not um, betraying myself in a way that what I knew from a higher self perspective, and that's kind of the same um, viewpoint and the same consciousness I used. I saw Savio, um, the physical Savio as being sick and dying um, with cancer, but I also saw the greater Savio. Uh, so I separated self, the one who was, is really creative, the one who's like really spiritual, the one who's like emotionally in tune with his energies. Uh, and I sort of said to myself, well, what would make all of that come together? And somehow, some way taking the classes that I did, I'm like, I think coaching could be a, a way in here in order to make me feel good. And when I started training and started coaching, <laughs> you had to accrue a lot of hours to get these certifications there, no joke. Uh, I realized I'm, I have a natural affinity to active listening, to showing empathy, and to just being a, a, a really consistent and strong um, container. Uh, and so for me, uh, I wanted to be really good at, at this. And so I just, you know, I have a natural love of learning. It's one of my strengths. Um, and so I have a curiosity factor as well. And so I just got one after the other. Then I realized, I think I was on the certification train, as they call it. I started getting all these <laughs> certifications and I'm like, you need to stop. Um, and you were like and, a professional student for a while. Yeah, I was, I was a professional student for a while and I, and I accelerated it. Like I, I actually, you know, did a couple at the same time. Um, but the leap of faith was uh, just that it was an actual leap of faith. But I said, I didn't really have much to lose. I mean, I almost lost my life. So I said, what can really happen? Yeah, I could lose money. Yeah, I could lose time. But it felt right. It felt right within my bones. And because I'm a meditator, it also felt right when I was meditating, thinking about the, you know, the opportunities in the process. Now, just because those were lofty goals doesn't mean it's always going to manifest. There's hard work. There's disappointment. There's, you know, you have to go and pitch yourself out there. I've always been great at behind the scenes, but when you're a coach and you're, you're doing the work, you have to be front facing. And 
I had to learn some of those skills and I had to get over myself. I had to really dig deep and actually come th- past my own barriers and my own inhibitions and my own, um, you know, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, trauma. Well, you have definitely done that. And I know one of the things you talk about in your practice with your clients is resiliency because in, in life, it seems like whether it's cancer or another trauma, there's, there's always something that's going to just try to bring us down and trying to find those resiliency skills are so important. How did you figure that out and how do you coach that? Yeah. You know, for me, I think it's that line you mentioned that I had in the book that it's this idea of uh, it's not done in the realm of wishful thinking, but in the world of willful action, this idea that you have to tap into or be as grounded as possible in, in, in furthering yourself. And so I think the thing that starts, so obviously we all know the basic definition of resiliency, bounce back, this idea to get up, you know, keep going. But I found that resiliency is not really only about that. It's really about figuring out what are your actual barriers within you and actually labeling them and, and taking note of them so that you can transcend or transmute those things. And so they involve things like, okay, my sleep is really bad. Well, what can I do to accelerate or to make that happy medium with myself? Where, whereas, yeah, I like to sleep at one o'clock in the morning. Um, okay, I'll sleep at 10, right? And so that will give you the extra um to have the energy in order to get some of these things done. Uh, I think another thing that was really prevalent, so that was actually my third uh, interview series with Authority Magazine at Thrive Global, this idea of resiliency. Uh, that got over 300, 300 uh, responses. Um, it's this idea that um, it's resiliency is not something that someone has or doesn't have. It's something that needs to be cultivated. So it's, it's, it's a learned and shared thing. And most of the time, we also garner resiliency through community or through mirroring or through seeing um, how other people tackle life and how other people um, approach things that are really difficult and hard. That makes sense. And you kind of mentioned something earlier that, and it seems like you were going to, but about treating your body as a stranger. And you had talked about separating yourself into two savios. And that's kind of like, okay, this one over there is a stranger that I need to evaluate and, and kind of dig into that a little bit for me, please. Yeah. So these, these are some concepts in my coaching. So I'm an embodied coach as well. I I use the body as a resource. So people call it semantics, which is, you know, like the body, Uh, you know, people call it, you know, sort of very different ways, but really it's about ferreting what's happening. And so, um, you know, in in my studies and my trainings, there's this sort of concept of the head, heart, and gut. I call it the three brains. Uh, And there's some evidentiary evidence and, 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 you know, written, you know, material that they have a consciousness, they speak, you know, to you. And so, the gut is really sort of the seat of courage and sort of this idea that you need to sort of, you know, move forward. And when I think back of when I was diagnosed in 2014, I was going through a business endeavor with three other individuals. It was a side business um, and it ended really badly, Michelle. I, and I didn't know how, I didn't have the courage to confront it. I didn't have the courage to say what I was feeling and sensing. And I'm not saying that was the only reason I got cancer, but I think it, would, it, 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 it accelerated the negativity um, you know, within me. Um, and so a large part of sort of this work is really figuring out what are those like hidden things that you don't really want to speak about or don't want to see that can help you really open the door to possibilities. 
And I love what you say about the gut. And it just brings up that old adage, like I had a gut feeling and it's, it really does make sense that the head, your heart and your gut, because those are all such important centers. It's like logic, emotion, and then that feeling of, you know, what, what is right or wrong. And I used to be the same way. I would avoid confrontation at all costs. And now I'm like, life is too short. No is a complete sentence. Um, I, you know, you need to say what you want when you want, or else you're never going to get it. Yeah. And I think that's something I love the, the whole three brains aspect, but you also talk about something else, the seven energy centers, which I'm sure you knew before this from your meditation practice, but talk about that a little bit, please. Yeah. So, you know, it, it sort of dovetails beautifully with this idea of treating your body as a stranger. Cause I think all of us are caught up in a very subjective way of looking at things like this is happening to me, but rather we should maybe step back a little bit and look at it objectively. And so treating your body as a stranger really comes from this concept that Margaret Mead did when she was an anthropologist, she would go in and record and assimilate. She wouldn't tell, she wouldn't yell. She would just record and she would just observe and she would just honor the process. Um, and so for me, the seven energy centers is people call chakras. If you're in the yoga system, you, you, you know this so well, but it really breaks down to this idea of the mental, the emotional, the vibrational astral is really like dreams, um, spiritual, obviously soul, which is really complex because how do you even define the soul? It's something that we all, um, know, you know, those of us with strong faith in whatever disciplines, um, know that exist. Uh, and so it's really with my coaching, it's really sort of this idea of let's dig deeper and ask some really powerful questions within that area and see if it's like almost like a piano, a melody. You have to hit the different keys in order to create a symphony. And those energy centers actually vibrate. They actually have a, um, a presence of some sort. They have a consciousness of some sort. And so the idea is really not to get too woo-woo or complex in it, but to really ferret out what is actually happening so that you can get to that vision or that goal. Because people have a misconception of coaching and therapy. Uh, coaching is really, therapy is fantastic, it's great, but mostly deals with trauma or things you know, of the past. And coaching is really about the present and to where you wanna go. And so this idea of using this, the, the three brains, the head, heart, and gut, and the seven energy centers is really about allowing people to have the, the, the reservoir, have the, those assets within them, in order to come and figure out their own questions. I always tell people all the time, I, as a coach, will never, no matter how many degrees I have, I will never be an expert on you. You will always be an expert on yourself. However, I am someone who's been through and I am someone who's a little further ahead in the knowledge base that I have. Now, in talking about all of the things that you work on as a coach, the three brains and seven energy centers, do you have your, your clients work on journaling at all? because that is a lot of information to try to break down. And I would think that would be a good way to really kind of keep track of everything. Yeah, hundred percent. So I really work the way individuals work. Some people are very visual. They really love all these things. And some people are just more of like, okay, let me just sit with that one raindrop of, of, of wisdom that I just got today. Um, but of course there's, you know, journal exercise, I have a three month program, uh, you know, we meet every week, uh, you know, there's, I've created chart. I mean, I've created Gantt charts for, for individuals because some one of them was very process oriented and, and wanted this. So that would really make my head explode. <laughs> it really depends upon what their needs and wants are, but I'm, I'm really here to facilitate the integration. All of this is all about integration. I don't want to be a crutch for someone. So that's why I always leave my programs three months. Some people in the coaching world have six, nine more power to you. For me, I, I want to just 
help you get to where you need to go. And then if there's more work that needs to be done, of course. Um, but I'm not, I'm not here to you know, be anyone's crutch. So one thing you do talk about is telling your clients to move beyond a feeling of autopilot and to really take charge of their life. What does that mean? Yeah, it really goes well with this conversation we're having. This, this idea of it's called automaticity. People, we're just on automatic. We think, we feel, we breathe. We, you know, we do these things on a repetitious basis. We all, most of us say we want change, but change is really difficult to process. Uh, and so really this, this idea of so coming into own and, and seeing, well, what are the patterns that are keeping me stuck here? And how can I really shake things up that won't be too dramatic, but it will be beneficial for my life. I love that. That is awesome. Now, and we also want to talk about telling, um, taking open-mindedness and knowing your why. How do you encourage clients to find their why? You know, I think finding your why is really difficult because it goes along with this idea of finding your purpose. And sometimes people can live way into their 90s and not even know what their purpose was. They could be hardworking individuals, but they just had the fear or they had the hesitation or they just didn't have you know, the grit or the resilience to keep going. Um, and so I think figuring out the why is really coming to the point of, of figuring out what is it that really kind of makes you happy? Um, not that happiness always equates to success, it really doesn't. Um, I would rather be happy than honestly successful, but that's- <laughs> But both are nice. <laughs> yes, both are definitely nice, but sometimes most people feel like they have to give one to get the other sure. or they can't have both. Um, and so I think really the key here is with the why question is really like, kind of thinking to yourself, if you didn't have any responsibilities or obligations, which we all do, what would you want to be doing? And I know some people will probably say, I want to be on a beach, but you can't really do that every single day for the rest of your life. It's just, not it's not really sustainable unless you win the lottery. <laughs> Absolutely. So really it's about figuring out, um, you know, how can you turn an idea or how can you turn a passion or how can you turn, um, um, uh, something lofty as, as a business or a corporation, how can you turn that into something that manifests in the real physical material world? And that takes work and that takes time as well. Do you start off your, your coach, your three month long session with finding your why, or do you talk about the brains and the healing centers? No, I really go into the discovery call. Literally the first, um, um, session is really what I do. And, and I'll, I'll you know, you could get a snippet. I have a podcast and I coach people 30 minutes for 30 minutes. My coaching session is always an hour, but really I go where the client goes. I'm just really there. I'm sort of curious to sort of know and see what's bubbling up for them, what's happening within them. Um, you know, I'm very perceptive. So I'm looking at body language as well and, and, and trying to see what happens. And then most of the time, we see in coaching, you always have to have a topic of some sort. Otherwise it's just a conversation. It's coaching is a conversation with a purpose. And so they have to come with me with some type of idea. Now that could change, but usually since it's called an accelerated coaching program, we go knee deep into some really um, parts that, um, you know, are very emotionally raw uh, and also to some degree, um, you know, sometimes can be very dark, um, that you need to go through and pass through. Understood. So we do have more to talk about listeners. We're going to take another quick break. If you or a loved one need our services, please go to breastfriends.org and check out patient programs to see what we can do for you or our events tab or the calendar, because we have lots of exciting things coming up. So stay with us. We'll be back soon.
Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. My Care Crew's mission is to make the cancer journey a little more bearable. They offer products and services that have been specially designed and curated to meet the needs of cancer patients, caregivers, and their loved ones. The mobile app connects patients and caregivers with their care crew to streamline day-to-day challenges experienced in the cancer journey. The app makes it easy for patients and caregivers to ask for help, manage the inflow of help from loved ones, share updates, create wish lists, and more. You can download the free app in the Apple and Android stores today. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcasts. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Savio Clemente, podcaster, author, wellness coach, stage three cancer survivor, and so many more. We're talking today about his practice, his book. And one of the phrases that you use, Savio, is stop living in your head. What does that mean? Because that's kind of where all of our voices are. So how do we do that? Yeah, it's really a hard one because I cop to it. I definitely was living in my head for the majority of my life, still kind of do, although I'm definitely more conscious and more aware. Um, It's really about using what I call the three brains. It's about this idea of like, see it as an elevator, right? We're always on top with the head and see the elevator going down, you know? And this is like a body scan you can do. You can breathe into the different body parts and then see yourself as that and see yourself moving down to the heart and then to the gut. And seeing like separation between the two, see that if you could just focus your energies, your attention, your mind, your thoughts on just the heart, see if anything bubbles up, even if it's an image or a sound or nothing, maybe there's something there. Uh, And really the key is to really figure out for yourself, who is the driver of your life? Is it just the head or is it these other um, anatomical parts of you that still have some bit of wisdom or some bit of knowledge to share. 
And any of you obviously who are familiar with a yoga practice, you, you should know that breathing into other body parts or even various, you know, I have a myofascial therapist. She's like, breathe here, breathe there. And it really is amazing what you can find out about your body by just focusing and taking the time to, okay, I'm going to do, as you mentioned, like a full body scan using my head, but kind of just focusing on the other parts. And it's amazing what you can find out of yourself during that time. And let's talk a little bit more about being present and for, and with yourself, because I think those might be a little bit of a couple different concepts right there. Yeah. You know, being present (laughs) is a hard concept for everyone because this idea of being present is, is, is what they call the infinite now. Right. And so I found in my work and also what I do with my own self, this idea of breathing really, really helps you Um, this being conscious of breath rather than taking it for granted. Um, this idea of that the present itself is the only thing that's real right now because the past existed in, in the past and the future has not manifested yet. So why worry? Now, of course, with human beings, I worry all the time as well. But this idea of being present really is being comfortable with yourself. And I think so many, so many of us are not. I mean, I you know, live in the suburbs of New York. I lived in the city for many years. And you know, people take themselves out and go out by themselves all the time. But in the suburbs where I live, rarely do I see that. Uh, and but I still, you know, keep that ritual because I think when you get disconnected with yourself, you end up imagining or hoping for things, and you end up having stressors, you know, drama, trauma, all come into your life. And so I, the key really here is to be really fully aware of what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and what you're sensing in the moment, and. This sounds all easy, but it's not, and I understand. But I think the first step is to acknowledge, and, and, and then maybe some other things can come as a result of it. I, I can definitely appreciate that. I, As I mentioned to you on break, I'm actually going away for two days um, tomorrow by myself because I need it. I need that time to really focus on me, uh, to focus on my writing, to sleep, and just to kind of reconnect with myself. Uh, I have an 11 year old son. I have a, my husband, dogs, a busy life. And I don't always get that. And I, I know I've noticed recently that I'm, I'm at the point where I really need it. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to appreciate my own now. And as you were talking before, like about the, the days that matter yesterday has passed tomorrow is you never know what's going to happen. Um, I have a Dalai Lama quote on my wall that was given to me from another cancer survivor. And essentially it's really today is the only day that matters because today is the day that we can work with. And, and I have a lot of anxiety. So I struggle with that because the, the future of, you know, is unknown. And so that's one thing that I really am. I've been working on for a long time, trying to get better at it. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, what really helps is this idea. It's getting a lot more assimilated now, this idea of meditation, right? It doesn't have to be in lotus positions, chanting. It could be, that's fantastic. It could be as simple as lying down, instrumental music, something where you just are with yourself. And that's really the key of meditation is to be present within the body. And yeah, some people have insights and, and great, you know, um, you know, fascinations of things sort of propping up. Great, fantastic. But the key is really to be okay with your physical body in that moment. And this idea of thinking about nothingness so that you could be fully enmeshed in the world, um, you know, larger than ourselves. And listeners, for those of you out there who've never meditated and you think it's really woo woo, it's actually amazingly helpful. And there's so many wonderful 
apps and different things out there where you can find a good meditation practice. So highly recommend. Um, so Savi, I'm going to turn the tables on you because in, in your book, you actually ask all your survivors about the embodiment of their cancer and what their cancer would say to them. So what would your cancer have said to you? I think even looking back, and I can be really honest about it, in 2014, my cancer would probably say, so there's a, um, a, a, a singer named Erica Badu, um, mm-hmm. who, who I love, and she has this song called Bag Lady. And in it, she talks about the fact that you don't have to carry those bags, that no one told you that you don't have to carry all those. If I was to look back as much as I was meditating and doing all these things, I was carrying bags. I was carrying emotional bags. Um, and so my cancer would say, you don't have to carry all those. You don't always have to carry all those. You can let some of it go because really at the end of the day, no one knows the, the answer to things. We can only try to figure out a glimpse of that answer. Uh, and I think I was just so concerned with, with outcome and so concerned with process that I didn't really um, get very in tune with what, what my actual needs and wants were. So it would say, let go of things. I love that. And I love that you've associated certain songs with your journey. For me, um, I'm a huge fan of Pink, the artist, and she has a song called Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. And that came out before, I think between right about the time of my second diagnosis. And there's a, you know, Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken. And there's a line in there which says, um, there's not enough tape to shut this mouth. And I've kind of taken that to heart and as a sign that, I mean, yes, I like to talk, but this, what I, what I have found in talking to individuals like you, it's my favorite type of, of episode because it's people who've gone through the hardest things that, you know, that they can in life and have taken something, have turned it around into something so amazingly positive. And I kind of feel like that is one of my mantras. Like there's not enough tape to shut this mouth because I'm so passionate about sharing your stories and, and my own, because I think it helps, you know, and I've talked to so many people who listen to various podcasts, not just this one, but about how that information is inspiring and hopeful. And, and that's what we need, especially when you've gone through a trauma like this. Yeah. I think what also really helps me is that there's a song by Miley Cyrus called the climb. Oh God. Yes. I I love, I love Miley. Yeah. And what's really great about that song is, is really what we, what it's with reality. We live, we live a human existence and with human existence come pain, uh, comes pain, comes challenges, obviously comes love and comes all the great things, but it's just always another climb. And that's where the objectivity, because people ask me, they're like, aren't you like my family was like, oh my God, like this is horrible. I'm like, well, honestly, why not me? because it happens to people throughout the world. Cancer is not something that's just uniquely associated with my life. Yeah. It knows no color, no, 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 no creed, race, religion. Cancer just is a bitch that, you know, it just, it just, it just is here. And I mean, we're not special, but what we've, you can become special by what you do with it afterwards. hundred percent. It's like this idea of of karma, you know, like you probably could have a really horrible thing happen to you, but it's your response to what happens to you determines how you progress as a person. Uh, one of my, my family's favorite quotes uh, from my big fat Greek wedding too, because I love those movies is a uh, yeah, karma. It's pronounced ha. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, it, and it, even it, my it son left. does it now. It's hilarious. Um, I'm going to ask you another thing that you ask your guests. So what are the five things you needed to beat cancer? 
Well, definitely I needed to have that time with self. So for me, it was meditating. It was gym time. I, yes, I was working out. I, people didn't understand, but I needed that time for myself. I needed a steam room. I, I needed those things. So definitely time with self, meditating, whatnot. Um, I definitely needed to be armed with, with information. So I saw the research and I saw the Google alerts and I saw all that as a way to arm me with knowledge. So knowledge was power for me. And I felt the more armed I was, the better, uh, the better equipped. Um, you know, I, there's a distinction that I make just in when I've had these many interviews about the book, this idea of, of emotions and feeling. And I think I was a very sensitive child. There definitely was someone who was emotionally sort of driven. You know, if, if you believe in astrology, I'm a Pisces and Aquarius. So like I'm a water sign and, and all that. But I think for me, um, what I also needed back that time is sort of this idea of sort of the feeling nature of feeling into the cancer itself and what it may be trying to show you or trying to give to you or, 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 or a message. And so that really takes clarity and that really takes curiosity. Um, I would say my fourth one is relying on your team. Like I relied on my oncology team to get me to where I need. I relied on my alternative doctor team to get me to where I needed to go and also trusting that process. And then the fifth one is really the greatest one of all is my spirituality. Uh, you know, I grew up Catholic, but I, I left the church when I was in college and I explored various comparative belief systems. Uh, and for me, I consider myself a very spiritual person uh, taking all truths as one and figuring out for myself that this is what was given to me. This is the deck that was, you know, this is, this is the card in the deck that was handed to me. And so what am I going to do about it? And for me, I was very poised in the notion or the um, idea that for me, this is um, there to teach me and show me something. And I know that's a very controversial thing. For me, that was what it was. And uh, I took it and ran with it. Well, in your book, you say that at the time you knew when you were diagnosed that cancer came into your life for a reason, and it was a mystery, but obviously it, to what it looks like from the outside is this is where it was supposed to lead you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what I firmly believe and everyone has their own answers to it. You know, I have to be really respectful too, because I interviewed so many people with colon cancer, ovarian cancer, breast cancer, obviously, um, you know, prostate cancer, throat cancer. Uh, I had blood cancer. And even though sometimes I felt fine, I don't know what scans will say because it's, it's a blood cancer. But a lot of the people, I had a lot of respect and a lot of empathy and a lot of sympathy and a lot of caring and grace. So people lost body parts. They yeah. literally lost body parts. I mean, there's um, uh, an in individual named Rob Paulson. He's a voice actor um, you know, for Hollywood. He did like Picking the Brain, Animaniacs. He lost most of his throat. Mm. Um, and his doctors say, Rob, we think we could help you and, and quote unquote cure you, but we're going to first have to kill you in order to do it. And literally he went through months and months of it, but he's still working. He's still doing what he needs to do. Um, but at the end of the day, I have great many respect because, you know, cancer, like you said, is a bitch and it will destroy anything it sees. I think the key there is to acknowledge it and define it and to let it settle within the bones and for you to try to move forward with it as best as possible. I love that. And that is the best way to end it. And unfortunately we are out of time and we could talk for hours. Savio, thank you so much for being here today. Listeners, you can find out more information at thehumanresolve.com and isurvivecancer.co and on social media uh, at The Human Resolve. So Savio, thank you. Thank you so much, Michelle. Really appreciate it.
Yes, listeners, if you or a loved one need our services, please go to breastfriends.org. You can find our show on many platforms, the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, Breast Friends YouTube channel, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444. We will be back next week. And remember, until then, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.